0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus, the Christ. Amen. Blessed Good Friday to all of you. This is a Friday. What makes it good? What makes this a good Friday, unlike all the other Fridays? And, of course, we enjoy Fridays in our culture, right? The end of the work week, every Friday is good. But what makes this Friday so good and what I want you to focus on are two words that make this Friday especially good. The first is the word cross, or a much larger one behind me. And the second is the word king. When I think of cross, I can't help but think of that beautiful picture of a cross with a violet or purple cloth covering it And there's the saying written on this. I've shared it with you before. I asked Jesus, How much do you love me? This much, as he stretched out his arms and died for me. For you. That cross is evidence of just how much Jesus loves you, which makes this Friday so awesomely good. But not only that, we want to remember that. It's a king who died for us. What's a king? A king is one who rules. He's in charge of everything. That's what a king is. And just think for a moment about some kings. And then think of Jesus, our king. Remember, Pilate puts on that inscription, I-N-R-I, I, -I, Jesus of Nazareth, king, rex, rex. King of the Jews. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Pilate calls him that. Pilate says to Jesus, are you a king? And Jesus says, you say that I am. And in John chapter 18, Jesus is speaking with him, and he says, my kingdom is not of this world. He's a king. But what kind of king is he? That's what I want us to focus on tonight. What kind of king do you and I have? Well, let's compare him a little bit. Do a little comparing and contrasting. We, we might think of Old Testament kings. We might think of Saul. He was one that when somebody came to not even really threaten him, but when he felt threatened, he went to destroy his enemy, quote-unquote David, to get rid of him because he was so worried about his kingdom. Sounds a little bit like Herod. Remember when Jesus was born? He was so paranoid about losing his kingly rule that he would destroy members of his own family. Remember the slaughter of the innocents? All of that happened because that king was insecure and all about keeping his power. Then we have King Solomon. Old Testament king, he experienced all the pleasures of accomplishment, of just simple pleasures, of all the things he could possibly want. He spared nothing for himself. And yet, as he wrote that book, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Nothing seemed to satisfy. And yet, we're reminded about Jesus, our king, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame. That's the king we have. Nebuchadnezzar, another Old Testament king who made a statue for himself, and whoever wouldn't bow down to it, they would be thrown into the burning furnace, blazing furnace. There's a lot of contrasts to our king, but I want to read one more to you. This comes from the book, When God Weeps. Please hear this. Five centuries before Christ, Xerxes, king of Persia, organized the largest land and sea force ever witnessed and crossed the Dardanelles into Europe. His goal was to thrash Greece for its role in a rebellion against his father, Darius the Great. No suffering was too extreme to require of his subjects during the campaign, although his own safety and comfort were paramount. Five centuries later, the Son of God, King of Kings, by himself crossed the chasm between divinity and humanity and walked onto earth. His goal was to endure the thrashing do his creatures, you and me, for their rebellion against his father, Yahweh. To this day, he requires suffering of all his followers, some of it intense, but only for their good and never equaling what he himself passed through. Consider the contrast. Near the start of Xerxes' march, Pythias of Lydia, rumored to be the second richest man on earth, lavishly entertained the king and his army. He then made an astounding offer to furnish Xerxes' complete war expenses. Taken aback, the king warmly thanked Pythias, but declined. Soon afterwards, the wealthy Lydian sought Xerxes again with a small favor to ask. All five of his sons were serving in the campaign against Greece, and he himself was getting along in years. Could the eldest son alone remain home to care for his father? The historian Herodotus gives the king's reaction. Xerxes at once gave orders that the men to whom such duties fell should find Pythias' eldest son and cut him in half and put the two halves on each side of the road for the army to march up between them. The order was performed. And now, between the halves of the young man's body, the advance of the army began. For Xerxes, there was no expense too great for his own benefit. For Jesus, there's no expense too great for your do you ever just think on that? Do you ever just dwell on that kind of a king that you and I have? The king who rules over all and used his power to sacrifice himself to save you. What kind of a king do we have a king who from the cross would not be so concerned about himself but to say down to the disciple whom he loved and Jesus' own mother to say, Woman, behold your son, behold your mother. There's someone who works with us up at Concordia who shared about sometimes what happens is they are approached by people going through stressful times. This pandemic is one of them, and they come across, and have you noticed that if you smile at others, they tend to smile back? And what happens with this young lady is others come in, and they are angry, and they are frustrated, and they are anxious, and they are upset, and all of these things, and what she tries to do is not mirror back to them what she's experiencing from them. Jesus is experiencing suffering and great pain and what he reflects to those close to him is love and care and concern. That's your king. He spoke from the cross those wonderful words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do and his blood was sufficient to cover all the sins of those in front of him, your sins and mine as well. My God, my God, our king says, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was forsaken. Jesus endured hell on the cross for you so that you and I, even though we go through those times when we feel forsaken, are not forsaken. And think of his words, it is finished. Jesus spoke those words, everything that needed to be done to pay for your sins and mine, Jesus' perfect life, his death on the cross, and soon, three days from now, this awesome event will take care of everything for us. But you know, it is finished, but Jesus isn't. What kind of a king do we have? It says to us in Romans chapter 8, That Jesus, even now, our King who rules over all for the sake of His church, Ephesians 1 says, He still intercedes for you. What an awesome King you have! What an awesome King I have! He's so different than you and I. He's so different than anyone that we can think of. This king wants us to remember it, so he reminds us in Galatians 6, one of my favorite Bible verses. May I never boast except in the cross of my Lord Jesus Christ, my king, by which I have been crucified to the world and the world to me. What that does is it humbles us And causes us to bend the knee, to bow before and to boast in this king. This king that actually gets to call the shots now in our lives. But he doesn't put somebody cut in half on either side of the road that we are to follow. He says, come follow me and remember, I took my cross. Now what I want for you is to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. He gives you, he gives me a grander purpose than to try and be the little kings of our own little kingdoms. But to join one another under him Letting him rule as that beautiful, benevolent, loving, forgiving, sacrificial king. Amen.